Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, Blog Talk listeners. Just waiting for my usual intro with music, but uh, it didn't happen. Well, it's been a while since we've actually done one of these, and this morning we are going to have a little fun. Uh, Rebecca is was on the line. I think she got probably a little impatient waiting for me. I was a little, little late this morning getting here. But uh, here we are, and there she is. Well, hey, let's bring her in. Hey, Rebecca. Hi, Good morning. Hi, Dale. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Good. We uh, we are now into December 2nd. Can you believe it? A blink of the eye. and uh, Crazy. Along. Crazy. Mm. Crazy. How have you been? I've been great. You know, I wrote my book. It's been, yep. it'll be a year in January since it was published by Belboa Press. Um, wow. January's right around the corner. That's right. next month. Wow, it's been a year, but I, I've been getting such great reviews. I've been having so much fun marketing it and meeting people and um, traveling around with it. I'm giving giving book talks. It's really a blast. I'm having a great time with it. Good for you. It, uh, you know, again, this, everybody talks about the fact that they'd love to write a book. And, I, I, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about today is randomness and probability and a little bit about statistics. Boring subjects, but put in the context of the cosmos, uh, I think uh, a good uh, blast off for, for some great discussion. But when, so first of all, so many, so few people actually reach that goal. You did it, and in, in it wasn't easy, right? Two years? Oh, it was more like three years that I worked really? with my ghostwriter. And it was a lifetime, really? of course, because it's memoir, so I had to live my life first before I could write the book. Yeah. <laughs> <So it's laughs> now, talk about that. Did it? How, was it difficult picking the poignant uh, stories or um, you know, examples of some of the things you wanted to say from a metaphysical standpoint? Well, um Actually, no. I, I I look back on experiences that I've had in life, and there are certain moments, like we all have bit of those aha moments that really stand out, and they're kind of like waymarks, you know, and, and um, signs along the way that we're on the path and we stay on the path. And what I wanted to do is come up with a book that was um, just sharing my journey, because after I retired from a career in, as a flight attendant, I became a metaphysical teacher, teaching workshops all over the country, teaching people how to be more intuitive and tap into their spiritual sense. And I was always being asked to write a book so people that I taught could learn more about how I even got on the metaphysical path and what what drew me into it. And I know I personally love to read stories about people who are on the path and how they got there and different um, ex- experiences they've had along the journey so that I can compare notes with what's been happening in my life. And I just always think it's very interesting to share that journey with other like-minded people. So that was one of the reasons I decided to write the book. And because I've been journaling most of my life and writing down things that got my attention, it was kind of easy for me to come up with different experiences that I wanted to share that I felt had some sort of lesson in them for other people and for myself. So, um, but finding Brian and my writing partner, my ghostwriter, was epic because I never could have done it without her. I'm not a writer, and she is. So that was a real 
um, godsend or a synchronistic experience, maybe, or you know. Yeah. Well, knows. how did you meet? How did you meet her? Well, I ended up calling a woman, um, Lisa Kenner, who is a coach. She's a writing coach, and I had seen her name in some magazines that I had around my house, and I just called her up one day and explained to her that I really wanted to write a book. And in the course of the conversation, she realized that I was not a writer. I was a public speaker more than a writer, and I enjoyed giving workshops, but I wasn't a writer. So she said, you don't need a coach. You need a ghostwriter. And she gave me two names, and when I called Bryna, um, Bryna actually recognized my voice. We had coincidentally met several years before in a shop in Bristol, Rhode Island, and um, she remembered my voice from just from a conversation, a brief conversation. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. So so it was kind of, I think it was meant to be, that we would, you know, get together and and work on this project together. Because at the very end of it, I said to her, um, Brian, has this seemed like work to you? And she said, no, absolutely not. And that's the way it was. It was just a fun project that kind of just kept evolving and flowing and, Every step of the way, it seems like the next thing would show up that we would need in order to get the book out there. And now it is in print, and it's on Amazon, and it's gotten great reviews. Um, I really haven't gotten a bad review yet. I mean, I'm sure there are people that have put it down and said, this isn't for me. But honestly, um, I've had some people tell me they're reading it for the second time. Um, There's a lot of really good information in there for people that want to – breakthrough, uh, get rid of blocks, you know, different lessons that you can you can learn in life and how to get unstuck is, is kind of like one of the themes that runs throughout the book. Because I believe there is always a solution. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you, there's some, I mean, the, the, it reads like a novel. I, I couldn't put it down. I think I read it in a day and a half. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I asked you about the particular stories because they're you know each each little story is a is a book in itself and uh, mm-hmm. how you know your life went from you know su- success at, at at what you know we call success at some points to absolutely you know uh, almost tragedy at others and how each time you know drawing from spirit you were able to transcend all of that and bring it back around Right, right. And, and you know, that's another reason I wanted to write the book, because I think there are a lot of people out there right now being called to bring their message to the world that have learned that, you know, we can transcend, we can find solutions, and we can help our brothers and sisters that feel like they're very, very stuck. Um, and it's important for us to do that if we've learned something, because you know, we're all here together. We're, we're going from the old paradigm of dog-eat-dog, um, you know, survival of the fittest, to the new paradigm, which is unity. We're all one, and we're all on, in this together. We're all helping each other now to bring peace, harmony, you know, all the good stuff into this dimension that we're, we've all been waiting for. And it's here now. We just need to claim it and express it and share it. And uh, we can do that through books and music and art. And I mean, you're, you're a creative person. I know you like to share your message with the world, too. 
Absolutely, and you know that. Well, that leads us to one of the books that we've uh, put in the title of today's show, and that is uh, Russell Brand, who uh, wrote an amazing work, uh, Revolution, his latest book. And uh, we've both remarked. You saw. In fact, it was our conversation that led me to actually seek him out and, and purchase the book. Uh, and I'm going to give a plug for Audible. I'm a huge Audible fan. The fact that on my phone um, I can carry books around, not only Kindle books, but uh, Audible books, so that when I'm making dinner or I'm uh, driving the car, you know, I can knock off a book in a day or two and um, or a week, whatever I decide, you know, how to, to pace myself. And it's just great hearing great thinkers. And, you know, that's his theme about revolution is exactly what you said, that the, the old paradigms of competition and, and, as you say, survival of the fittest, blah, 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 don't apply anymore. That, um, you know, we're in an age where it, he calls it uh, uh, c- common unity. And, uh, yeah, and, 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 you know, community, common unity. And, and the whole thing about rather than separateness, uh, we, we look, strive for unity, which you and I both have read the uh, Course in Miracles and done, you know, the practices there. And that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. one of the profound things I found about the Course in Miracles is that there is always only one problem. And you know what that is, right? Separation from... Separation. Yes, separation, the split mind, believing that there's two minds, and there's really only one mind. (laughs) Exactly. And that's when Mm -hmm. we've got in trouble. And, you know, our our paths crossed, uh, again, through chance or whatever. You know, my story with the uh, Silver Method... Uh, and I've probably mentioned it on past shows, is here I <laughs> and again, this is great fodder for what I'm going to, we'll, we'll cover in um, our discussion of the other book, which is uh, The Drunkard's Walk, which is a an account of uh, randomness in our lives and um, the approach he takes. But here I was at a, um, I was performing at a, uh, a college in Vermont. I was performing my magic and comedy act. And um, I get through, and a, a gentleman walks up to me and says, uh, can you tell me where I can find a ventriloquist? And I look at the guy kind of weird, and he's got a briefcase, obviously a professor. And I said, yeah, I can do that for you. And uh, so we started to talk. I said, what do you want him for? And he says, well, he says, I'm teaching... Uh, course in ethics, and uh, he says, I want the puppet to demonstrate uh, some of the principles from the course. And I said to him, what form of ethics? I said, are you talking, you know, Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics, or are you you talking um, categorical imperative? And this guy looks at me like... You know, how does this guy with all these rubber chickens on the floor and magic tricks, uh, who was just a comedian, you know, how did he come out with that? But, you know, my path led me to um, a foundation in in philosophy and theology, theology at, at my college, which is a small Catholic college in southeastern Mass, Stonehill. And uh, so that led to a, a conversation. He says, well, I just know. He said, I uh, recently took a course in... Um, 
Silver Mind Control. And actually, I don't even know if he took the course, but he read the book. And one of the exercises, as you know, as a trainer, was to um, that Silver proposed was to count backwards. And so he said mm-hmm. he would imagine himself on a, an elevator and start at, the, at floor 10, and he'd watch the numbers change on the elevator descend as he descended. And when it got to the basement, so it would go 10, 9, 8, all the way down, he says the doors would open up and he would go down this long hallway, and he'd visualized all of this. Mm-hmm. And when he got to the end of the hallway, um, he opened up a door, and inside was this huge library. He had to make a decision on his um, thesis. He didn't know what to write for his uh, doctoral thesis. And he said there were these beings in the room, and the beings would uh, go over and pick a book off this giant volume off the uh, shelves, and they put it down in front of them. And as soon as they opened it, the chapter of the book, the uh, the title page, was exactly what he was looking for uh, for the thesis. And mm-hmm. and it was something, you know, the tough part about picking out a thesis is to pick something that not, has never been written. And so he... Um, he took the title out and he presented it and got accepted for for his thesis, the title did. And so what he would do every day, uh, and again, this is just a bizarre story. It sounds, we talked about Shirley MacLaine the other day. This sounds like a Shirley MacLaine story where he would go down, do the same exercise every morning, go down and find these beings in this library. And he said they would bring the book over. And he said, I stole the book. He says, I plagiarized the entire spiritual book. He says, I didn't have to write anything. He says, and I, you know, got my thesis done that way. He says, I would go down, Mm -hmm. they would open the thing, and I'd see exactly what I had to write that day. And it was all done for me. And it was kind of what we talked about yesterday, about, you know, that the songs are already written, the, the, the works of art are already painted, uh, and all right. we have to do, the novels are written, and all we have to do is mm-hmm. tap into Universal Mind, which he was doing. Right. So, well, so many creative people will say they really almost feel like they can't take credit for what they put out exactly. there. Because it's so exactly. Exactly. They just tap into this universal divine intelligence that's already there. Exactly. You know, I, I do a, a children's radio show, and I have on a lot of musical um, you know, acts and people who've written song, songwriters and as well as children's books authors. And universally, everybody talks about that moment when they are no longer the author of the book, but that there is a grand author, and all they have to do, spontaneous um, writing occurs, and all they have to do is just 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 move the pen because and I've had that experience many times myself and uh so it, it it's funny because you know that brings us to the the what a kind of a disturbing book for me in some ways every time uh I you know one of my path wherever I go and I you run into a skeptic and it's always a scientist <laughs> and uh they want to base everything on uh, hard, cold matter uh, and, and Right, and they facts. have to be able to, Usually the, the scientific approach is 
you have to be able to measure it, you know, somehow with a and if you can't then it doesn't exist. But that's right, all changing right. too. We're beginning to realize there are dimensions and realms and um vibrations that we certainly can't measure yet, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where it finally, you know, um, it was interesting cause I, because I mentioned this book to you yesterday and I said it would be a great topic uh, because his thesis is, is that we, and it's a point that on our paths that both of us have discovered together, I think, is um, that we are not in control a hundred percent control of our lives that we are part of this universal mind and that your path led you to find you know your way as somebody who is now an author um, you may not be a writer but you certainly authored that's a story of your life and mm-hmm. your, your 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 passion in life is is talking about you know, spirituality and metaphysics, et cetera. And, you know, we talked in how my path led to me where I am. And when we, I look back on it, and you've, you've uh, confessed to me the same thing, it's, it's, you start to understand that you're really not, uh, the, though they were conscious decisions when things presented themselves to us, that we were kind of led to this path by some mm-hmm. you know, invisible hand. Right, and it's almost as if when you finally step into your path and you stop listening to all the ideas that other people and your programming has had for you and you let all that go and you just say, well, I just have to follow what feels good and right for me, my inner guidance, then um, it's almost like you you just I always tell people you just have to get dressed and show up because (laughs) the next thing that you're going to do will be presented to you. You don't really have to worry about it. And that's really so there, exactly. So there's this uh there's this letting go component mm-hmm. that that it takes a long time because we're taught from you know the earliest of ages that we, you know, work hard, study hard, you know, go to school, learn what they teach you in school uh because right. that is the truth and these are the courses you need to make it in this world. And all of it right. is extremely limiting. Uh, you know, it's like and it's supposed forget- to be difficult. It's always difficult when you when you believe that that's the the path. It's not joyous or fun for a lot of people. You know, it's, exactly that, yeah. that word work doesn't make people feel good when they hear it. <laughs> you know, and you just said that I got a chill down my spine because yeah. my father. Uh, Whenever he wanted us to punish us, it was work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'll get, I'll find some work for you, mm. and and it's how and work. now, right? And now I'm finding myself work quote end quote working harder than I've ever worked in my life, and it's not work at all because, you know, uh, as that great saying is, if it's not work if you love it. Well, and we're seeing so many people too that are leaving professions. Um, that they've worked at for, for years, maybe decades, and they're being completely redirected, you know, and they're becoming healers and, you know, mystics and writers and all kinds of amazing things. I, I mean, I hear stories all the time 
about people yeah, it's, who just it's, completely it's, redirected into a whole new path. Yeah, they it's finally happening. they finally decide to follow the path that they were destined to follow all along. Right, right. Not that you, you know. don't learn a lot from whatever you're doing in life. And that was another reason I wanted to write my book, to show that you can have a, an, a life, like I was a flight attendant. I traveled the world on airplanes. I lived in the sky. Um, but I could use the experiences that came up every day of my life as lessons because it is a big classroom. And we're here to learn and grow our souls and develop ourselves. And we can take any kind of life. It doesn't matter what we do. Um, and we can learn from it because that's where we're supposed to be. We're always in the right place, learning what we're supposed to learn. Right. And those, you know, and here's this, this book talking about uh, randomness. And I think he, the title is that, um, you know, how randomness rules our lives. And, you know, at first, you, um, you know, there's that whole thing that there, you know, as, when you get into metaphysics, we start to understand that there are no accidents. Right. Right. You know, so at first, mm-hmm. this concept of, uh, randomness from the perspective he was taking that um life is just random it's just crazy it uh there is no order uh it's um you know anything can happen to you and those events will be the the factors that more than ability and more than planning and more than all of the things that we've learned uh you know about um, trying to manifest, you know, what it is, putting intentionality out and everything else, that those are the things that have a greater influence. So, we're, you know, that it's that old uh, thing that we're nothing but, a, you know, a little tiny billiard ball being bounced around by cosmic forces. Okay. And, and that's yeah, the so, you know, at first that was, you know, I said, oh, here we go. This is, uh, we're going to read, you know, uh, uh, we're going to f- meet somebody like Richard Dawkins, who's a, a total atheist, and everything is, reality is, again, everything that we can touch, feel, taste, or thing, everything that is limited to the five senses. And as I started to do this, and again, you and I have, uh, you know, both believers in the law of attraction and being able to manifest and aligning our minds with the universal mind, and then all of a sudden finding out as you start to, as, as you know, Steve Jobs, who's my hero, says, when you start to look back on the dots of your life and see the connections, he says, which are impossible to see from this point looking forward. You'll never know how all of the connections in your life will come together to connect you to where you're going. But as you look back, it all seems to make sense, doesn't it? The fact that right. you're, you know, you're standing on the beach in in southeastern Massachusetts, and you know, three you know, three craft that you've never seen before hover up over you and you get this mm-hmm. metaphysical experience, mm-hmm. you know, and then the fact and that, you know, you, yeah, and the fact mind. that you're in New York and you go to a party and some, and you see somebody enjoying, you know, a great life and having affluence, et cetera. And they start to explain, you know, the law of attraction and, and uh, visualization and manifestation to you. Right, right. You know, it, everything so, happens for a reason. And if you're open, the next thing just keeps showing up along your path, which is very exciting. And it makes life a divine adventure. 
which is exactly, and, and not to say, well, <laughs> and 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 not to say that though everything is going to go absolutely perfectly all the time, all the way. Uh, and once you start to understand, and even taking into account his idea of randomness, as I started to process it, I realized he's basically still talking about God, because randomness is what 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 he calls randomness, and what I interpret as randomness, is part of the game. You know, Alan Watts, we've talked about this. Alan Watts talks about the fact that life is a game of two components. It's it's a game and it's a story. And if you look at life, really everything boils down into those two components, doesn't it? Those two frameworks. You know, mm-hmm. it's either a game or a story. Mm. You know, I mean, we all have stories. <laughs> everything comes down to well, and everything... You know, it, whether it's the game hey, of life, like, the game. Well, by yeah, the game. Like, well, who would you be without your story? Exactly. Because the story becomes our identity, and it's really right. not our true self. No, exactly. <laughs> Free yourself. And, uh, and that, that, that's not Downton Abbey starting. That's a call from my <laughs> on my cell phone. But uh, yeah, and so. When I realize that part of the game, and one of the wonderful ways that uh, uh, I'm not versed enough in the Bhagavad Gita or uh, you know the Hindu religion, but you know taking from things that were written ten thousand years ago, and Alan Watts being the amazing scholar that he was, he says, you know, imagine if you have this deity that is all powerful, which it is, and it can create anything at a whim. Anything and everything it wants. He says, so after a while, that game, which is not a game at all, because it's simply just manifestation, manifesting galaxies and planets and solar systems and, you know, black holes and whatever. And so mm-hmm. after a while, that gets boring, and it, it's, it, it starts to say, well, let's play a game of limitation. Let's play, uh, let's imagine a world or a game where I am not what I think, what I really am. But let me set up, just as we, you know, the big attraction with video games, which is part of the reason I started to follow the path of, you know, the the characters that I created in in the mythical world of Beantown, was to eventually have a, a video game. But to jump into a world where you're not powerful and you have to overcome obstacle after obstacle, that and so many people, that's a $100 billion industry because people love to go into this fantastical world, whatever it is that's been created by the gamers, mm-hmm. and to find themselves in trouble and to advance to each new level. And somewhere along the way, you get so powerful that then you are, in essence, you know, the creator. Right. And it's and, and get back to it. of the game of life because that's what we're playing is, is overcoming obstacles here in our in our human lives. Something right. always to come into the world. Right. To come into the world and uh, and from the beginning, whether it's school, work, whatever, your parents, your family, and here you are, this infinite or this infinite being because everything stems from the source. Uh, and we come into the world as what we imagine totally helpless, uh, 
you know, a little baby can't do anything without, you know, the the mother or, or the father mm-hmm. or the family or the support group. And then to be told, you know, you're not, who are you? <laughs> you have to go to school and you have to do this. And, and, uh, and so all of these limitations and life gets difficult and you fall down and it hurts and da, 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 da. But without that randomness, which is built into the system, you know, it's built into the game, is is that, yeah, that there's going to be game of chance, you know. I mean, that's why people love to gamble. Uh, that's why life mm-hmm. is about risk and reward. So, you know, and well, I find that, you know, where you and I have come to is that the ultimate step of toward enlightenment or awareness is to understand it's all about letting go. Well, that's right. It is about letting go. And it's also about realizing that we live in a mental universe, not a physical one. You know, that that is like one of the biggest leaps you can take. It's when you can get to a place where matter isn't really that real to you anymore. Um, You're really not your body. You're not even your human mind. You're an immortal divine idea living in the eternal realm of, you know, another dimension, really. You know, so many people have said, you're really not a physical body living in the three-dimensional world. You're really a a spiritual being, idea, um, you know, who just happens to be having this physical experience. But it's it's really not the real deal. So it makes it more fun. And it becomes... Well, yeah, but it's, it's it's... it's the toughest part of the game, though, isn't it? Don't you think? This finally oh, waking yeah. up. Yeah, the attachments are so strong. You know, we we are so attached to, you know, people, places, jobs, uh, money, you name it. You know, it's hard to let go. You know, I love that story in the Bible that Jesus met the rich man and he said, you have to give up, you know, all your wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I, I wrote about that in my book. It's not that he really had to give up all of his money. He had to give up his attachment to it. Right. When you're attached to these things, you're putting them before the this God, you know, this, this higher energy that's beyond everything else that will take care of you. And, well, um, what most people don't realize they're putting their emphasis on the attachments and forsaking real joy. That's right. That's right. And you, when you listen to conversations, I, it's just mind-boggling sometimes to hear what can really upset some people, you know, like <laughs> not having the right outfit to wear or, you know, the mail didn't come today or some crazy thing can really throw people for a loop that's meaningless. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that when I do encounter, um, and, and it was ironic that, as we talked about setting up the show last night, I researched him a little bit and wanted to go to his website because I wanted to actually find his Facebook page or something and post, uh, you know, our show on, on his Facebook page so that it would attract at least some, maybe him and maybe mm-hmm. some of his listeners. But um, I found out that he wrote a book. He and Deepak Chopra are good friends. I guess they had a chance oh. random encounter and it's all about spirituality versus science. And, you know, Deepak says in uh, in the foreword that, uh, you know, basically science today, spirituality today is not religion. 
and you know we know the limitation of religion because limitation is more the religion was more of that uh, you know everything was you do do it according to dogma and don't deviate from dogma otherwise you'll go to hell <laughs> right a lot of religious practice yeah preach that mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh, so so rather than looking at and what I f- felt is is that science. Uh, is leading us more and more to the discovery that we all are infinite beings, that we are, you know, these infinite beings playing this limited game um, for the fun of it. Because nothing, you know, you come in and you go out, and and, and I, I laugh at, you know, all of the control freaks. I mean, how much control have you got on your deathbed? Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then you really find out who's in control, but mm-hmm. you know. But so you know, if you can't experience the joy of it all, and I think that was one of the uh, another book that we shared was uh, Scheinfeld's book about happiness, and and it's very rare anymore that I ever even experience even a tinge of fear because again, from the Course in Miracles, you learn there's two choices. And you start to train yourself through, whether it's through meditation or the silver method or whatever, that you can always go to a place of peace and joy. And right. there's no need, oh, there's only two choices, love or fear. You either love, you understand that right. underneath all of this craziness, there's nothing but love. That's the unity. Is, and is perfect love. love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And when you frequency right. of love, you're protected. Yeah, and you have, and you trust, and the more you trust in love and in something, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Again, I, I read a quote to you the other day that I ended up putting on a business card of Stephen Jobs. You have to trust in something, and that's the letting go part. And what I found out with, um, you know, all of the, uh, if if science is your only basis, if science and material things, in the material order, are your only basis. What what does that bring you? I mean, because if, you know, as we've heard more and more, Russell Brand in, in his book says he, achain, he attained everything. He had, mm-hmm. he, had all of the, uh, he had all of the money he ever desired. He had all of the things. He could buy and possess anything. He could have all of the sex that he wanted, you know, at the drop of a hat. He had all of the things that society say contained value. And then that led to drugs, where he was getting, you know, his high and his his perception of joy from drugs. And it was all external stuff trying to satisfy something inside. And then he wakes up and says, none of this could satisfy him. Mm. You know, none of it could give him the peace or the happiness, which is an intangible of itself. So he had an awakening? Oh, yeah, a huge awakening. He just, you know, <laughs> he, became a, he became a wealthy drug addict like most people, you know, in, in, in show business and even in, you know, higher echelons of corporate world, et cetera. If it's not drugs, I've been in the corporate world. If it's not prescription drugs, you know, Prozac and everything else trying to get them through the day, then most executives I know self-medicated. You know, they were drunk by five or six o'clock at night, trying to make it through to the next day. 
And, you know, and that's the trap because they find, and I found out that the thing, you know, one day I had an epiphany of my own is, okay, great. If you want to quantify everything and everything, everything has to be mathematics and science and something I can touch and it's tangible and you can prove and that you can experiment, blah, 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 blah. Good. What good, what will that do for me in bringing me joy in my life? There's, there's the question I propose to anybody who wants to take a materialistic view of the world. What are you going to, what is it going to do to give me peace, love, joy, you know, compassion and all of those things? What is it going to do for me? And there is where what you proposed in the book and, you know, you do so eloquently is just, you know, it isn't in those things. It's in the spirit realm. Right, right. That's right, because you you cannot find, you know, there has to be that essence of spirit that you're experiencing in order to feel those fabulous emotions, you know, and and, um, it's the material world is just what it is, matter. Yeah, and an attachment to it, not letting go, uh, makes Mm. it only worse. Right, right. You know, know, I can't let go of this. I can't let go of this. <laughs> I must have that that uh, that that pint container of Ben and Jerry's after my dinner. You know, <laughs> if it's something as simple mm-hmm. as that, or I have to have my Lexus. Or what will I do without my you know my my house on the water, or my my pool, or you know all of my jewelry? What 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 could I possibly? How could I possibly exist w- without mm-hmm. those things? You know? Mhm. Yeah, and, and the uh, is, it could disappear, and then what? What happens? Yeah, well, yeah, and, that, and again, that's as, as I've seen in in my experience. That is part of the the lesson, um, the lesson the is to see is set up so that generally we have to go through some loss of some kind or another in order to learn whatever we came here to learn. It's it's just part of the process. Well, and to find that in the process of loss or whatever, there's still joy. I mean, that's one of the things the, I found an effective technique that Scheinfeld talked about was when you're feeling whatever, depressed, fear, whatever, anger, rather than resist it, which is, as we've learned, that's only the beginning of your troubles, resisting. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. then... Then more of it comes. What resists? What resists Push persists. It. And he says, just you know, I do this. Like I say, once in a while, you know, I'll find a tinge of of a, the old me come in. I mean, it's only natural. And I'll say to myself, "Wow, isn't it great that I'm a being that can experience these sensations of, you know, limitation and fear and anger, and to enjoy the fact that." Um, I'm here to to experience these emotions. <laughs> mhm. And whenever I do okay. that, those emotions because there is no resistance, those emotions fade. But, you know, I'd like to see somebody tell me some scientists explain how those techniques which are totally non-physical, which are metaphysical, how those uh will bring me to a state of peace where instead of you know, reacting through fear and all of the other 
negative emotions to a point of, of joy, and only spirituality can do that. Mental alchemy. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Exactly. You know? And it's these are the secrets that have been passed down through the history of the world, and not everybody is attracted to the secrets. But, you no. know... No, a lot of people, people want to stay. Now they say are waking up, which is exciting. Right, and and uh, we you 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 and I talk about this a lot. That once you do, this is not an easy path because once you start to glimpse these truths, and you know you find these things and you become more awakened, it's very difficult. You start to find yourself as, you know, as I'll quote the Bible, you're in the world, but not of the world. Right, exactly. And you'll find that um, a lot of times people that you've been close to, you're not as close to anymore. They don't get right. you. You make them uncomfortable. Um, yep. And there's all kinds of different shifts that take place in your life when you are on the path. Exactly. And that's part I'd like of the to deal, and that's one one of the things that keeps people from staying on it many times. Um, they they're not willing to go through what you have to go through. It's almost like initiations, you know. Well, it's a rebirth, isn't it? It is a rebirth. It definitely is. Getting rid of the old man and taking on the new. Uh, you can't yep. put new wine in old bottles. I mean, all these stories that come from the Bible have great spiritual significance to them. And yep. when you go through these these things, you you learn that there's a lot to it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a, it becomes at times a very lonely place, doesn't it? That's right. I mean, there was a, uh, the gal Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love posted yesterday, mm-hmm. and she had a picture of a bucket of crabs, and she I like to use this analogy a lot. We're like crabs in this bucket, and when crabs try to get out of the bucket, the ones at the bottom will try to pull them down. Mm-hmm and keep them from getting out. And that's what happens many times to us. We don't realize that humans have jealousy. They they get uncomfortable when you break out of the pack and you try to um, leave the tribe and go off and do something that is uniquely your own. It makes them very uncomfortable. And if you don't understand that, sometimes you, you don't understand why you're being treated the way you're being treated. Which is sometimes exactly. badly. Yeah. Exactly. I had people actually admit that to me. Uh, I made a choice ten years ago to, you know, leave my, which I was confirmed that, you know, I was going to be a bachelor and never have kids again. And the next thing I know, I'm in love and I'm going to marry a younger woman with two kids. And everybody told me that I can't do this. That I was insane. And one person actually admitted to me. She says it's frightening that you are hmm. leaving this pack of we're all single and we're all, you know, never going to do that again and commit and blah, blah, blah. And it's scary when you leave the the group because you're telling us all, without doing it, just by following your own path, you're telling everybody, well, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then that starts to make them question what they're doing. They're, they're not that convinced that the life that they're living is is the optimum life. So you're a threat. That's right. Rock the boat, and you're a threat. Well, I would love this. Is is every time we decide to do this, we understand how fantastically easy it is, and all the great things that come up. Again, part of 
probably the universal mind. But we've got about 30 seconds, and then they're going to just cut us off. Blog Talk Radio, as great as it is, will say, that's enough, guys. <laughs> so thank you so much, Rebecca, and um, let's keep doing this. I find that great. it's a yeah. great exercise. Thank you, and have thank a great you. day. Thank you. Until the next time. Okay. All Bye. right. Bye-bye.